Hello, hello, it's your boy Hans, joined as always by my friend of 25 years, actor extraordinaire, the GCJ himself, the SSA of champion of the world, Mr. JP Wool, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm good, man, I'm good. The fact uh, that that still good. makes you giggle after, like, 15 episodes is just that makes me so happy <laughs> it, it just it just really does i don't know why i, mean, I love it it's great google google like a little kid I love i'm it. glad um, because even if you didn't i wasn't gonna stop doing it <laughs> and, and i wouldn't expect you to uh, so how yeah i'm good man i'm good um just got a belly full of taco bell right now mm-hmm. and i'm ready to rock oh, aka the rock i see what you did I see what you did. <laughs> how, are, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic because today our feature presentation is The Rock. Oh, buddy. The Rock. Uh, uh, I love, love, love this movie. I watched oh. it. I've, I watched it already this year at some point because I showed um, Haley because mm. she had never seen it. And oh, of course, like she loved it because that was like oh. peak. You know, she did 90s marrying her right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but she loved it, and I'm glad she did because this movie is incredible. Um, how, how, how about you? Will, how are you doing? Well, we will get to that, but first, mm-hmm. we're gonna go over a little bit of uh, what we watch, little news, what we've been reading, this and that, and what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. First off, I watched. Mando, Mandalorian, episode three of season two. I know you're not caught up, um, so I won't really spoil anything. And anything I'm about to say will not spoil anything because you haven't seen the Clone Wars and Rebels and all that. All the, but we get. Mm-hmm. I sent you that Bo Burnham thing, the old mm-hmm. Bo, because Bo Katan shows up, who's played by Katie Sackoff, who is awesome. She's a oh, big nice battle star. Yeah, Battlestar fame. But she did the voice of that character on in the, the Clone Wars series. And then reprised. Oh. It's the first time we've seen her in live action. It was awesome. She's such a badass. Because she's a Mandalorian, too. And, like, that. So I won't get into it, but it's great. And then my favorite character uh, in all of Star Wars, Ahsoka Tano. Uh, she doesn't show up, but she is mentioned so we know we're getting her later. We already knew that, but it was cool to have her mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very excited for that. It was a really fun episode. We got to see a place we'd never seen before. Uh, it was it it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. And then also, nice. what else? What else? I, I watched. I finally watched The Losers with like uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and uh, Chris Evans and Idris Elba. I really enjoyed that and they absolutely yeah more movies which we never got mm-hmm. um, i really liked it <laughs> yeah oh yeah that movie was fun. so fun and zoe saldano and uh and uh jason patrick oh man great cast I, I, yeah. delightful like i enjoyed those characters i just want to like hang out with them more like mm-hmm. give me more of the losers please well they just all got so much more famous and of course you know like you know the marvel universe swooped up zoe saldana and chris evans for many many years chris evans a little bit more um and then you know in the dc universe he was in watchmen he was thomas wayne in uh 
in Batman v Superman. Very. Did you notice that when yeah, his parents? Yeah. That was Jeffrey mm-hmm. Dean. Yeah, and also, um, uh, obviously, Walking Dead. He was Negan on Walking right. Dead. I think that movie was a little time because now, like, obviously, comic book movies are huge and tentpole things. I mm-hmm. think if that came five, ten years later, or five, six years later, it would have been something bigger. But right. whatever. Still yeah. loved it. Really enjoyed it. It's on. Uh, where did I watch it? it? Was I think it was on HBO Max. I think I watched it. It's either right. that or Hulu. Uh-huh. It's simply mm-hmm. streaming. I mean, we all have these services, so I would I would highly recommend checking that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched I watched I watched The Dark Knight Rises and uh, Dark Knight Returns. And while I was because I'm a procrastinator, like I had to I needed to watch The Rock. I needed to write some stuff, but instead I watched like multiple three hour movies about Batman. <laughs> so that was fun uh great to revisit always um some new things uh what is it there's a sketch group called Anti donna they're australians mm-hmm. uh, i heard about them from i've mentioned this show uh num- numerous times because i absolutely love it it's my favorite podcast going uh the weekly planet and those two guys uh talk about them and they're they're friends with them because they're all Australians, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, that's not the only reason why, but that's the connection. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they're just all nice people, but they're friends and they've been talking them up. But I started watching it and it's, it's weird. Like I don't think it's for everyone, and I don't mean this as a negative. I think it's really funny. It's just very weird. I think it's one of those things mm-hmm. you have to watch and let it like watch one episode, let it sit with you for a couple days. Don't binge the whole season because it's. It's a lot. Like they're fast and furious with the with the jokes and the the bits and and it, there's like a little Mr. Show with Bob and David vibes where like mm-hmm. the sketches like loosely connect, you know? Right. Where it's like one sketch will roll into another sketch even though they don't have like really anything to do with one another. Like it'll be one sketch and then it's like one person in that first one was in the background of where they go the next time kind oh, of thing okay uh, so they just like roll in they roll into the next one like fairly seamlessly just it reminded me of that whether they're going for it or not uh but i, I really love mr show and these guys are very funny uh i recommend that but again i i recommend it watching it in that that fashion because if you just watch like all six episodes you'd probably be like what the fuck did i just see <laughs> <laughs> There's just a lot going on. And I mean, again, I mean that as a positive. This isn't like the best sell for something. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I give it a chance because it's, I think those guys are talented. Okay, good to know. I got to check that out. Uh, What else? Oh, uh, a little bit of news. The Miles Morales game came out for PS5. It's also for PlayStation 4, if any of you haven't updated uh, myself included because I don't have like eight hundred dollars to buy a PlayStation. Seriously, um, yeah, you can you can get the Miles Morales game. I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, it looks awesome! Just the Very, little. I love that character. I've seen. Yeah, I love that character. He shows up a little bit in the first Spider-Man PS4 game, uh, mm-hmm. but like you, you can be him on like little side missions. But you're never like Spider-Man Miles Morales. You're never like swing right. buildings, bad guys. You're always like he shows up in like the sneaking around mission, like. Like him and Mary Jane, you you sneak around behind like boxes and stuff and those mystery yeah. stuff. Miles yeah, Morales yeah. is fun. He's a great character. We'll probably get him in the MCU pretty soon. Uh probably sooner rather than later. Uh I have a feeling we'll get a multiverse version of him first. But uh mm. 
he does exist because uh, Donald Glover plays his played his uncle in in uh, Homecoming. He played uh, uh, Dave, whatever Davis, something Davis. I'm blanking Aaron. on his name. Aaron Davis, who mm-hmm. is the prowler uh, in the comics, uh, a villain, sort of a villain in his own right. But he's the uncle of Miles, and there's some cool. Uh, he he mentions he needs to like get home to his nephew, but he doesn't say who that is. That's Miles. Mm-hmm. There's some um, cool deleted scenes where he actually calls him Miles by name. He's like, Miles, I'm not going to be able to get home today because you know uh, Holland uh, uh, webs him to the car because he's like, you're a bad guy. You deserve this. <laughs> oh yeah, that's. <laughs> and there's some deleted scenes of him just being like asking like an old lady walking by being like a person's here needing help (laughs) and then him sitting on the ground on the phone being like sorry miles i'm not gonna get back in time (laughs) i love that Uh, it was cut out but still that i'm taking that as miles exists but who knows what age at that point but we will see him and i'm very much looking forward to that and then sticking with the mcu right before we we hit record i noticed that or i saw uh, something on Twitter that Chris Pat Chris Pratt is confirmed to be in Thor Four: Love and Thunder. Whoa! Which makes sense because of the way Endgame finished yeah. off, where it's like, oh, the Asgardians of the Galaxy back together again. <laughs> you know, so yeah, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. So it would have made it would have been weird if he just showed up without them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know how how big I didn't read the article or anything because it was literally like. 30 seconds before uh, I called you up. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he should show up. Probably means some of the other Guardians will, too. I don't know how big of a role they'll have, but I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. That's great Love news because they're, yeah, they're, um, you know, their banter between Thor, between Hemsworth and Pratt <laughs> was, like, so funny and just they had great chemistry and just them, like, going back it and really forth. Did. It was really cool. It was really great. I love, I mean, I've always liked, uh, Pratt, uh, I used to watch, I love, one of my favorite sitcoms of all time is uh, Parks and Rec. And he's, do yourself a favor, um, check out like the outtakes of, the Chris Pratt outtakes of Parks and Rec on YouTube. Man, Hilarious. He's, he's so funny. It's like, it's almost obnoxious how funny he is. Like mm-hmm. some of the stuff he just makes up in, in improv. My favorite one actually got into the show was, it was the flu episode. Oh, where I know exactly what you're going to say. That's my all-time like, favorite line. I typed, in, I typed in your symptoms uh, into the computer, and it says you may have network connectivity problems. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so goddamn funny. And that wasn't written. That's just something he did. Like, so he's a, he, he's a legitimately funny human being. It's not just like, yeah. like some people are like, funny uh comedic actors because like i think i don't i don't obviously know chris hemsworth but i think he has tremendous timing and he understands mm-hmm. but I don't, he's coming up or improving a lot of those lines i think he just right. knows how to deliver them and i think pratt not only knows how to deliver them deliver them but also just is actually yeah. legitimately yeah. funny so he's, just, he's quick on his feet right yeah and i respect anyone who's 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 good at the improv game, because that's not an easy task. Not at all. Uh, that's about all I got. My aunt bought me uh, the Dune audiobook, because I told her Ooh. she's a huge fan of Dune. I re- my memory is god-awful shit. But for some reason, I remembered as a little kid her talking about Dune, and I was mm-hmm. talking 
other day on the phone, uh, like our one year conversation that we had. And uh, I was like, oh, did you hear about, you know, the Dune movie? So I remember there was some sort of association with that. And she had no idea. Uh, I told her to go look that up. And then the next day she sent me, I got an email that she bought me the book, on, the audio book on Amazon. So what Ooh. a very sweetheart. Awesome. Uh, I can't wait to to check that out. There's about, there goes about 27 hours. Of I know. <laughs> I'm very excited. About it. I, I recommended her to watch or to listen to the, or to uh, not listen. She actually reads like a real human being. Uh, I was like, check out the Expanse novels. I was like, you mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff? You'll love this. So I hope mm-hmm. she does. Nice. Which nice. is coming back beginning of December. And I'm super excited because I love that show. Yeah. But yep. that's all. What have you been watching, reading, seeing? Um. So I am just, you know, you're current on Mandalorian. I'm catching up because for some reason I just didn't. I watched like the first episode when it was on and I liked it, but I just got distracted with other stuff. So now I'm watching um the first season of mandalorian i love it it's like a western it's yep. great it's a space western it's great yeah it's a space western um i'm on the episode now with with him and gina carano where they're like oh, protecting oh, that oh. village of like farmers or whatever you're doing they did a very similar that was a good episode but it's probably one of my least favorites because they did almost an exact episode during uh, the clone wars animated series where they they trained like a local group to fight just like that mm-hmm. since i'd seen that it felt like a little bit of a retread but it's a it's still a good episode oh gotcha okay um and then what else have i been oh succession i'm like so deep in succession uh it's good. amazing it's so good. so good it is so good guys if you haven't watched succession do please it. watch please do it watch succession it's like Shakespeare, and I know that sounds like a super theater nerd thing for me to say, but it is, it is like it, <laughs> it is. It doesn't mean like wrong. Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a tragedy, and all these characters are like everyone's so unlikable, and like yeah. normally, it's like for me when I watch a show, it's like I want to like want to spend time with these people. Like go back to Parks and Rec. Like that's mm-hmm. why I didn't like the first season of that because they were all so unlikable, and then it yeah. became one of shows because sure and Gurr and all those guys realized the formula of oh let's make everyone likable like they did that with brooklyn line nine they did that with with uh parks and rec it's like oh mm-hmm. i just want to spend time with these people i almost, exactly. I almost don't really care what they're doing but that breaks that rule because they're right. all horrible there's no one to root oh, for yeah. there's no one it's like this is the good guy this is the protagonist no they're all spoiled pieces of shit they're all just assholes, but Terrible I love it. People. And you're, well, yeah, you're you invested. Can't, can't get enough. It's almost like the enough. car wreck kind of analogy. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just can't look away. They're just so enthralling and just, it's so good. Mm-hmm. After like, a few episodes, you just get like invested into the characters and, and whatnot. So I'm watching that. And then I, um, I downloaded this app. It's called Overdrive. And mm-hmm. you can listen to audiobooks for free through your library. Which is which is really nice. Um, I start. I, I listen to library card. Uh, I haven't been able to do that because you need a driver's license. And even though I've been five years, I still have my California driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> what? I got a New York one, and then you know we're in a pandemic, so I don't figure I should go sit in line at the DMV for mm. 
cards. Me thinks not. Me thinks not. But I want to get, I need to get my library card because they have stuff like that. And they also have comic books at the library. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, movies. Like a song. Yeah. Oh, and movies too. Yeah. Um, But um, Overdrive. Even though I don't read, just just do it. Yeah. Um, But on Overdrive, I've been. I've been trying to listen to audiobooks for a while. I was really into it. I've really been into podcasts and I love mm-hmm. podcasts, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to try the audiobooks because there's so many books I want to listen to, like while I'm, you know, hiking or working out. The only or way I can whatever. Listen, I can read a book is I will mm-hmm. buy a book and I'll read it for 15 minutes and I'm a slow reader mm-hmm. and I just get frustrated and I say, fuck it. And then I go buy the audiobooks. So I yeah. stop buying yeah. books because of that reason. I listened to um, this last like week or so. I listened to a book called City of Thieves, which is written by David Benioff um, from, oh, from Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah. One of the creators of Game of Thrones, which I. Benioff have... and Weiss. Exactly. Um, I didn't realize that um, he has, he was, he's a very successful novelist. And this I didn't book... know that either, actually. He wrote um, the book The 25th Hour that was later made into that Spike Lee. Oh, the, the... oh that one. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But um, The City of Thieves. I love that. Oh, he's so good. Um, I loved this book, City of Thieves. It takes place during during World War II in Leningrad. And um, it's all Here's these, obviously... Yeah, it's all these... Um, I have a history degree. I've never used it, but... <laughs> I have one. Oh, Sorry, for sure. <laughs> oh, all good. Um, but uh, these Russians, you know, obviously they're living in awful conditions. They're mm-hmm. going like days without eating. Do you ever see um, Enemy at the Gates with Jude Law? Oh, of yeah. course. Is it kind of like that? Um, in a way, in a sense. I thought that was a really underrated movie. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. Um, Sorry, again, that derailed that's you. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but... Uh, what was I saying? So it's these guys and they get, they get captured or not captured. They get arrested for doing something, which I won't tell, but Mm. basically their goal is this Colonel is his daughter, his, this Russian Colonel, his daughter's getting married and they have all the ingredients to make a cake except eggs. And they said, you know, it's bad luck to have uh, a wedding with no cake. So basically (laughs) these guys to be set free, and not like be basically put to death. They have to find a dozen eggs in a week. And it's like the I dirty dozen, like... but for eggs. Yeah. <laughs> and so they well, have double to meaning. But <laughs> they have to find a dozen eggs in a week. In war torn in war-torn Russia. In wow. Leningrad. And all this crazy shit keeps happening. Stalingrad. And then, right? Yeah, Stalingrad. Yeah, it's just crazy. And Ron Perlman did the audiobook. Hellboy himself. Yeah, it was so good. Um, I love Ron Perlman. That's a that's a great voice. That's mm-hmm. that's something I could listen to. I like that. Oh, it's he did such a good job. I'm a big fan of his. That just reminded me. Uh, I just saw. I haven't watched this, but I uh, I told my dad's visiting, and I was like looking for stuff that we can watch together. And he's a big. World War II fan. There's this uh, series on Netflix. It's like four episodes. It's called The Liberator. I haven't heard of that. Hmm. It's like, it's uh, a group of, it's a World War II thing. It's a group of uh, servicemen who are like combined, a combination of like uh, Native Americans, 
uh, what was the other group? There's another, I think, probably, like, uh, Latino men and then, uh, like, uh, like Mexican, like, men who are now citizens, uh, or former, you know, and then, uh, like, cowboys, basically. And all of them come together and they're, like, deployed to, uh, like, Italy and, like, it's their journey from it, from there to, like, Nazi-occupied Germany, obviously. Um, but, and it's a series and it's, it's a, based on a true story, but it's sort of, it's, it's animated, but not like in the animation style you think it's like, it's interesting weird animation. It's almost like comic book animation. Oh, like it's hard to, it's really hard to explain. I really shouldn't even try. Just, just look up the trailer for the liberators. It's, it looks interesting. And I plan on watching that this week and uh, next week I'll have a full report on whether it's worth it. But I, I got to check that out. Yeah, it's a story. Uh, this doesn't happen often, but it's a story of World War II that I don't know. So mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and I'd like to understand it because I know way too much about that conflict. <laughs> yeah, I got to check that out. Yeah, it looked pretty cool. Um, what else you got? Anything else? Um... That's kind of it, really. I'm ready to I'm ready to jump in. Hell yeah. Let's go. Let's get to our feature presentation of The Rock. And now, our feature presentation. The Rock from 1996 directed mm-hmm. by Michael Bay starring Sean Connery as John Patrick Mason Nick Cage as Stanley Goodspeed Ed Harris as General Francis X Hummel and so many more I wrote down but we'll get to them so many great like character actors so many great when Pokemon Woodbine showed up I was like oh fuck yeah <laughs> yeah Bokeem Woodbine and uh, my boy John, John C. McKinley, McKinley. And my absolute action god, Michael motherfucking Bean. Oh, he's the best. He's great. Oh, 66% on the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. 85% from the audience. That's more like it. Fuck you, critic. Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. Can I also say really quick, um, RIP to Sean Connery, who we just lost recently. And was kind of like a deciding factor in doing this movie because Sean Connery is incredible and he made such incredible movies. And that was like a big factor for us. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to touch on the elephant in the room is he is an admitted wife beater. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yes, we may praise his performance and we may praise this movie. We are not praising the actions of the man. Let's just get correct. Correct. People made this movie and made it great. So we can still enjoy something a questionably, well, admittedly shitty human being. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He he straight up admitted to what he did um, and seemed proud of it, which is odd. But a little odd, yeah. Let's get that out there. Had to say it. Mm -hmm. Thank you for saying that. Now let's get into the fun. Yes. We open with the most. In the most Michael Bay way possible. We get dramatic music behind intentionally emotion-inducing shots and cuts. Like, he's so 
desperately trying to make you feel something. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got a radio firefight jargon in the background uh, with uh, the dress blues of these Marines and a military funeral in the rain and this this throbbing music behind it. And, <laughs> I mean, you know, just in case everything wasn't, like, heavy-handed enough, like, you get the pouring tsunami rain. Yeah, American flags, and slow motion, it's, and... It's so good, it's so blatantly, I'm trying to make you feel something, but he goes past the point where I'm like, fuck you, to the point where I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right, okay. Like, he goes past absurdity where he gets me all the way back around again. I'm like, hell yeah, man. Because <laughs> he's, he's the, this the heaviest hand I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, and then we get General Hummel, who is Ed Harris. Phenomenal. He's, he's talking so good in this. A gravestone in the, in the pouring rain. And <laughs> he, he delivers a little monologue of like, I, you don't actually know who he's talking to. It seems to be some sort of fallen soldier of his, um, someone part of him, a part of someone he 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 had a relationship with. They don't. I don't think they actually say who they, it is. Do they, they do. They, they do. do. They Please. show. They Good show. Light. They show his grave. They show the grave, and it's Are Barbara to... Hummel. It's Barbara Hummel, and it just says at the top oh, his wife. And okay. he says Barb. He goes. Okay. Um, I thought he said that, and I was like, it sounded like he was talking about a like a woman or his wife or something. But it was in a military funeral, and like, see, that was yeah. that's why that confused me because I was like, mm-hmm. it must have been one of his men, but it did seem like he was talking to a loved one, like a family member or a, a wife or something. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And he says that makes whatever sense, happens. It's just like yeah. fuck it. I got nothing yeah. to live for. Do this thing that I'm about. I to mean, do. really, yeah. Obviously, if his wife was alive, he ha- he wouldn't have done that. And one point, or she would talk about it. Of course, <laughs> of course, nonsensical like, idea. Because you know, Terrible guys. Man. I don't know. I don't know if you we realize this, but men make stupid fucking decisions, and, and you know. A the lot of the time, may, might be real, but we need you to help us stop. Yeah, yeah. If she had been <laughs> alive, come ourselves because we're morons. Exactly. We might be charged, but we're idiots. Help we're fucking us. idiots, please. If she had been alive, she'd been like um, behind the scenes and take, make us do what you want because we mm-hmm. don't know what we're doing. And he has this great little monologue. Whereas you know some of the lines can be a little bit nonsensical, <laughs> but. But he's just so convincing, and I'll you know oh, mention this at other times in the movie. Um, he's such an incredibly convincing and captivating actor yes. that he's just like, whatever happens, please don't think less of me. And then he does something that like really is like pretty powerful and kind of profound to me is he puts his medal of honor on her gravestone. He's look. This movie is a ridiculous action movie. Nicholas Cage. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more dense than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's a lot going on, and like it's not just the stereotypical bad guys versus good guys. There's a lot of nuance going on here. There are those characters of just like I'm the evil guy. Yeah. Oh, of course. I'm the good guy. There's a couple of those, but there's some driving forces that are pretty. That actually will make you think about 
some things. Like, mm-hmm. what he does is stupid, but you kind of understand why he's doing it. And he's not a bad guy. Right. He just believes in something so hard and is at his end that he's willing to do something crazy right. to make it happen. Exactly. Uh, he, he's a sympathetic villain, if you will. Uh, exactly. He's He's got, you know... His his ideas don't sound too crazy. They're not crazy the at all. The way he's doing it is exactly, ironic. and it's a man. Yeah, it's a man at the end of his his rope. You know, mm-hmm. like I've right. gone through all the proper channels to make this better, and it won't work. So now I'm out of ideas. I'm about to fuck shit up. Right, exactly. And he does. So then the next scene, still in the rain, mind you. <laughs> It's, it's raining like, a long time. Where are they in Florida or something? Right. I mean, he must just go straight from the from the funeral to this this uh, job because it's just still Hurricane Sandy up all up in their ass. And Hummel and his men break into this secure military facility. Right. They uh they they trank all the guards. They trank everyone, which is important mm-hmm. because. Your normal bad guys just cutting throats and shooting people in the face, you know. But they don't, wanna, stuff, yeah, yeah. they don't actually want to. Yeah, they don't actually want to kill anybody. Like, it's all non-lethal measures, right? They have a they have a job to do, but they don't want any actual fatalities. Um, and I just wrote the music. <laughs> I know <laughs> it's so intense. It's so intense. So then we re- we find out what they're there for, and they're stealing this like chemical weapon. It's VX, like, nerve gas, mm-hmm. which is, like, the whole most horrible thing ever, and we find out shortly. Uh, as they're stealing it, one of one of his crew, like, drops, drops the, they're in these little, like, balls. It's like a, yeah. they're like Benoit balls of horrible death. Yeah, these, like, green glass, like, <laughs> like, big glass marbles, almost. Yeah. Like, big green, yeah. like. They're green Benoit balls, that's what they are. Let's not pretend they aren't. So they drop one of these while, and it breaks open, and uh, you see, like, one of his guys gets uh, exposed to it. They lock him in. They, they shut it off. He gets stuck. And you see, like, the horribleness that this this uh, weapon can, can do. And he's just, like, melting, basically. <laughs> like, he's got, like, boils popping up on his face. He's, he's essentially melting from the inside out. Oh, it's, it's brutal. So we get a good idea of this weapon and uh, what they are potentially going to unleash on whoever, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on the plot, and which we'll get to. Mm -hmm. After that, after this man dies horribly, we we meet Stanley Goodspeed, who is Nicolas Cage. And when we first meet him, he's playing some sort of real-life rat trap game. It's like what's what are those machines called? Like a Rube Rube Goldberg Gold yes. something machine. Made, that's the other name for it. But it made me think of did you ever play the board game Rat Trap? Mousetrap. 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 Yeah, Except for instead of being caught at the end, the the thing gets lit on fire. A little hula dancer <laughs> toy gets lit on fire. It was Rube Goldberg. That was you're right. Mm-hmm. That was that was more a better comparison. I just went mousetrap. But he's playing that. He's a scientist. He's just bored with his bud, just chilling. Mm-hmm. And uh, we learn a little bit about him and some exposition. Not only is he a scientist, but he's a beetle maniac. 
He is a Beatle maniac and he loves vinyl. <laughs> Douche. <laughs> even even him opening the package is like dramatic. He like uses his whole body to rip open this package. Nick Cage is in full Nick Cage form here. He'll just go along talking like, and then he's talking like this. <laughs> <laughs> no reason. I fucking love it. He's just out of his goddamn mind. He is out <laughs> I, of his mind. I mean, he's almost in a different movie, but it somehow works. He's just so he's so goddamn good. If he wasn't love, as good, it wasn't it wouldn't make that much sense, but he's so goddamn good. Mom and Dad is still one of my favorite Nick Cage joints. I don't know if you've seen that. It's nonsense. Oh, I have not. It's it's like a 90-minute ridiculous thing. I won't go into it now, but check that out. Mm-hmm. So then Stanley and his partner, they got some crate. They're they're in the FBI, right? They're they're scientists, but they're in the FBI. They're like biohazard, like chemical spe- warfare, like agent specialists, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stanley's partner, they don the hazmat suits to inspect this crate. It's full of nudie mags. Uh, I believe it was Cave Girls Exposed. That's <laughs> the name of the Kinky. He yeah. says <laughs> it's no toe tails or purveyors of pain, but there's two people who will understand that, and I'm fine with it. Lawton, you're one of them. I'm talking to you right now. How's that feel in your ear? (laughs) They also find, like, uh, a baby doll. (laughs) And his partner's, like, playing around with it, like, look at me, making the baby voices. And it starts spewing poison gas out of its mouth. (laughs) Like, he laughed so hard. I had to pause the movie at that point to stop laughing. <laughs> just ridiculous. As he's just matriculating the arms like, hey, daddy, it's me. <laughs> just starts spewing this poison gas that's acidic and like burning through their seats and going to kill them shortly. And then there's also, of course, a bomb. There's a bunch of C4 in there, too. Mm-hmm. So you get this very dramatic scene where his partner's freaking the fuck out and he's trying to defuse this bomb. Uh, and he, of course, Stanley Goodspeed in Goodspeed figures it out. He defuses the bomb with four seconds left, like a hero. And and he's just you know for as nerdy of a guy he is that we find out through the movie in this scenario, he's cool as a cucumber. Right? They like you know they're saying, yeah, they're saying like you know you have ten seconds to do this, and he's just like I got this, I got this. And then they're yeah. saying they're Stick like a needle in your heart, antidote in yeah. your heart. And he's like, nah, fuck you, I'm doing this shit. He's like, get this out of my face, you know? Yeah, he, he wants no part of it. He's like, I'm about to move my job and wow all you motherfuckers. Mm-hmm, pretty much. Because yeah. he's a hero. Mm-hmm. I love after this, Stanley goes home. He gets drunk and plays guitar naked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, you know what? I'd probably do the same thing after a near-death experience. I don't play the guitar. But I feel like maybe that'd be the time to pick it up. Yeah. His girlfriend, Carla, comes home. He tells her what happened. She just, like, doesn't give a shit. (laughs) She's so not, like, bothered by anything he said. Like, it doesn't affect her at all. She's like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) Oh, because I think she's so weird. Does she not believe him? Or, like... I think it's because his job... Usually or is that just is probably that, that's fairy. just like a normal Tuesday 
and like she's numb to it i don't know i don't think so i mean her character's so two-dimensional it's hard to tell she's just like i have a baby i want to get married that's her character right there i also think though but because he talks about it how kind of boring his job usually is it's like she's probably gone through fuck like baby are you okay yeah Yeah. she's just like it's nice Yeah. What? Mm. If, if someone I cared about, if, I, if my partner came home and told me that shit, I would never stop talking about it. Yeah. Maybe she was just so, like, taken taken aback or taken off guard. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, granted, she had some big news to share, but still. Mm-hmm. And her big news, of course, is that she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she tells him that. And then immediately proposes to him. And it's like this really awkward, weird scene because she's just gorgeous. And he's supposed to be this like nerdy scientist mm-hmm. who should be thanking his lucky stars. A woman like that even looks in his direction, let alone wants to marry him. Exactly. Like she's so far out of his league in so many ways. Mm-hmm. He's just weird about it. But yeah, yeah they make. In the, the vein of Michael Bay movies, she's a two-dimensional character that's just, like, there for the man, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All she wants yeah. to do is get married because she wants to have a baby. Now, that whole bullshit yeah. that we always see. And he's he doesn't answer. We get our next scene, a tour guide on Alcatraz giving a tour. That's when we get the name of the movie for the first time. And he says, like, he's like, this is all known as The Rock. <laughs> not that. not the best no what's the best but there's at all the best one that's coming up it was the first so i had to mention that mm-hmm. of course and then we see hummel and a number of his men they're on the tour they're infiltrating and they very very quickly take over this joker and the island and lock all the Lock all the the visitors in cells. Mm-hmm. I love I love one of their comments. What kind of fucked up tour is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, there's there's yeah. very like the stereotypical like uh, people of color characters yes. in that scene. Yeah. There's one guy who's just like, the what kind of fucked up tour is this? Offensive, but yeah, yeah, that and the other lady who's like, how you not have a gun? <laughs> I got a gun. I got. I should have brought my motherfucking gun. You're kind of like, huh? Okay. Yes. <laughs> hmm. Thanks, Michael Bay. Expected nothing better from you. <laughs> Show me some more upskirt shots of of your female characters. Yeah, exactly. Although, in his defense, that's his move: is the low camera up. Hmm. But he doesn't need to make all of his female characters wear skirts either. <laughs> true. Very true. His defense. Anyways, off the rails. Look, we get more men show up in helicopters. Uh, more uh, that are not as on board with Hummel as maybe the people that started this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. So they set up shop, right? And they have a bunch of rockets with this chemical weapon they, they stole, which is this VX poison gas. And they, they arm them, they get them ready. And uh, <laughs> I love this scene for multiple reasons. Hummel, General Hummel, General X Hummel. Of course, you got to have an X. Right? Of course. I wish we knew what the X stood for, but whatever. He addresses his men and he gives exposition, explains why they're there. 
And it's purely for the audience, because why? Like, why is he doing that? Like, you think these guys just showed up without knowing they're getting a million-dollar payday and they're trying to fight for for the the benefits and the rights of the families of fallen soldiers that are not being recognized around, like, black ops stuff? Like, he lays that all out. It's like, yeah. all those guys are like, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why I'm here, bro. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, he's – but, man. But he does it so well. You almost He's am so like great at commanding care. a room. Ed yeah, like cares. I even wrote, like he is fantastic at commanding a room. But then he compares him. He's like, we're patriots, yes. you know, like comparing himself to Washington, Jefferson, and Adams. Jefferson. You're like John Adams. Mm, yeah. Um, are you though? The bloods of patriots refresh the trees of liberty. <laughs> the bla- the bloods of patriots and tyrants. <laughs> hmm, okay. Yeah, I I, I love that. It, uh, Ed Ed Harris chews scenery with the best of them in this movie. But mm-hmm. it's like I always when I talk about chewing scenery, I always go back to Jack Nicholson and the Departed. And I enjoy when he chews the fuck out of it, but it is kind of obnoxious and like over the top. Right. So that's always my example for chewing scenery. But he does it, and I know he's doing it, and I just don't care. I'm it's because it's so grounded in reality. Happy he's doing it, and I want more of it. Mm-hmm. Like he just—I don't know what it is. He just—I guess he's just that skilled of an actor. Like he's just—he yeah. mm-hmm. doesn't put me out of it at any point. Where I, I love The Departed. To get me wrong, but at times I'm like, all right, all right settle down, Joker. Like, chill the yeah. fuck out. Yeah, you're an evil crime boss. But he just has this way about him that you're just like i want to know more even though everything you just said was nonsense and bullshit and didn't need to happen because it makes no sense in this mm-hmm. scenario i still want more yeah because he's that good oh of course so then after he informs his men of something they already knew he uh he contacts the government to like you know let him know when he calls like the this bow-tied motherfucker uh in the FBI to let him know what's going on and eventually they connect him to the Pentagon. They all know who he is. I actually really enjoyed this scene because like the highest ranking general is showing him like a lot of respect. Oh, for sure. For sure. Let's hear him out. I want to hear what this man has to say. Like I have tremendous respect for this. Like they, they list his accolades. It's like three bronze stars, two gold stars, a medal of honor, this and that, whatever. Like, he's a bona fide hero. Yeah. And like, then the, usually you'll get, like, the head of the military who's just like, bomb them all. Like, I, I just want to, like, create war. Like, do all that shit. You know, you get that mm-hmm. that stereotype. And this general, this leader is like, no, I want to hear this guy out because he's doing something fucked up, but I respect everything he's done. I liked that. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Then they have the, like, 33-year-old White House aide who he's like, shut the fuck up <laughs> he just like lays tie some ribbon around this man's mouth because i don't want to hear him again he's wasting my time he's like how old are you sir and the guy's like i'm 33 and he's like when yeah. you were nine years old i was running black ops into saigon <laughs> he just puts him in his place so fast i love that because mm-hmm. he has respect for the people that's why he's he's a comp he's a nuanced villain he is the bad guy but is he kind of, you know? Yeah, yeah. He goes out of his way not to kill people. He has a, a goal in mind that 
is altruistic. He's going around it. He's going about it in a villainous way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like you kind of, you have some empathy for him. And you, yeah, it's like, of course. How you could be driven to this mm-hmm. to some extent. Right. And I like that because you, you don't get that a lot, especially in a Michael Bay movie. It's like, bad guy, good guy, let's go. Right. So I did like that. This is probably the best Michael Bay movie of all time, by the way. So the he he gets he gets off the phone with them. He you know he gives him his demands, everything he wants. He wants all this money for uh, for everything. And uh, the Pentagon nerds talk over their options. One is just like bombing the island, just eviscer- eviscerating it. And the other, that's Plan B. Plan A is uh, bringing in the Navy SEALs to infiltrate the island and you know take them down, mm-hmm. like some some Bin Laden shit. A little zero dark thirty coming at you. Mm-hmm. That and so we know, we know, we know what the villains up to. We know what the quote unquote good guys are up to. Even though they make the good guys seem not that good sometimes too, which I also kind of like. Yeah, a lot of them, a lot of the good guys are kind of pricks. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like Womack. Oh, Womack is a huge prick. He sucks. So then next, then we get to the next scene. It's uh, Stanley and Carla having this, like, weird, awkward sex outside while, like, talking a lot. And Rocket Man is playing. Yeah! <laughs> Poor Shadow. <laughs> it's like this really weird, uncomfortable sex scene. It's just, ugh, yuck. Yeah, he's being just, like, he's he's cage chewing the scenery buried in a, in a sex scene. While he's supposedly having sex with his, like, beautiful girlfriend. It's very weird mm-hmm. um and in the middle of it he gets a phone call which he answers of course uh mm-hmm. he has to go to san francisco because he's another one of my favorite tropes the best <laughs> he's the best that's mm-hmm. what he does he's the best chemical biological scientist the fbi has to offer so he exactly. has to go and uh she's angry with him because they Again, two-dimensional character. She just wants to have sex with the hero and have his babies and get married. She's upset because he has to go save the world, but he stopped having sex with her. Okay, weird. And then she, like, fawns all over him for being like, hey, come with me. <laughs> like, yeah. Biggest nugget of, like, satisfaction she could get because the only thing that can make her happy is a man. hmm Obviously. So that's gross but he she decides she comes with him and uh that's when we learn about the existence of john patrick mason mr sean connery himself mm-hmm. and stanley shows up in san francisco he gets the lowdown he thinks he's going for a training exercise no it's the uh, it's always the the line i love that that's the line in the first iron man when he takes down those f-22s like just call it a training exercise. Yeah, yeah, it's always a training exercise. Yep. Anytime an accident happens, they want to brush under the rug. It's a training exercise. So they tell him that, but he finds out very quickly once he he hits the ground that uh, nah, shit's fucked up. And uh, they need Mason because he is the only man to ever escape from Alcatraz, and they need to know how to get in. They need to know how he escaped because no one knows how he did it. They need to know how he escaped so that they can send the SEAL team in in this un, unknown way that the uh, that the the bad guys, I guess we'll call mm-hmm. 
it's funny. I wrote down like it took me like ten pages before I started calling them the bad guys because I was like, I don't really know if they're bad guys. Like they are, but a lot of times I call them soldiers or like ham- Hummel's men. <laughs> like, but normally it's like villains or like henchmen or bad guys. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Write that because I was a part of me was like, yeah, are they? <laughs> So, so he, uh, he finds, they need this guy. They're like, they bring him into like an interrogation room with, you know, the two-way mirror and all that bullshit. Um, the first guy that goes in, he's having nothing, nothing with him. Uh, Mason's just basically like, fuck off. He has Mm -hmm. all the hands. The guy's like, nah. They, for some reason, make Stanley go in to talk to him, who has zero, um, backs background of interrogation or any type like of zero experience at yeah. all like there's there's zero reason he should go in there they make him go in there god he's so good trying to like be be confident he's like i'm special agent with the fbi uh stanley goodspeed obviously <laughs> i love i love when sean connery goes coffee and yeah he's like, he's like no no, no i'm you. good thanks he's like no for me for me, you idiot. It's so good because he's so uncom he's very confident in every word he says, but the words he says are not confident, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yep. Oh, he totally. says them all with gusto, but they're awkward and like I'm very clearly not in my element and don't know what I'm doing. And I I really like that choice by him to do that because you could have done it like hey um I'm 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 Mr. you know you could have done it that way yeah he's like no I'm like he he delivers it with gusto but it's 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 pussy gusto (laughs) (laughs) I really like that choice because it also doesn't make any sense but oh none at all but it just it works. It works. It's so perfect for who Nick Cage is. So he he chats with him for a bit. Um, he agrees to let him have like he wants this hotel room in this nice hotel in San Francisco and all these all these amenities and this and that. He gets him to sign the pardon. That's like if you tell us how to do this, you know, we'll we'll pardon you. You get out of jail. You're you're all good. You're free men. Uh, then they go behind the the glass. Uh, before that, one the first guy that came in was like, "Call someone who cares," and flipped him a quarter or something. Mm-hmm. Of course, he grabbed because he's just a master. And while they're arguing, and Womack, who's the asshole, uh, who's like a the asshole FBI boss, because he has to have one. Of uh, course, kind of like the John C. McKinley character in uh, um, what was it? Last Boy Scout. Point break. Oh well, yeah, Point Break. Yeah. Right, absolutely right yeah just like that just complete prick uh he tears up the pardon and of course because he's like that's a federal document <laughs> <laughs> isn't that illegal sir yeah <laughs> and he's just like yeah fuck that guy he is a clear vendetta against him <laughs> while they're doing that uh mason t- has that quarter and he like cuts a hole in the in the in the uh two-way mirror and just bashes it in and is like what's he almost gives like a like a J- Jack Nicholson like like a shining kind of like pop his head in you know Womack I should have known I should have known <laughs> so good uh, and then they just like cut I had a, I had a thought here I was like I felt like there was more to that scene that they may have left on the 
on the floor on the edit. Oh, definitely. It just kind of ends because he's just yeah. like he gives like the pop in like here's Johnny. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, <It's> over. <laughs> yeah, you think? I mean, it was like a two hour and fifteen minute movie, so I could see yeah. there's mm-hmm. a very real chance that happened. That just felt like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we get we cut to the next scene. They've agreed to all his his uh, uh, Mason's demands. They put him up in this suite. And uh, he's in the shower, singing in the shower. Uh, during that, he orders, like, a bunch of room service. He pulls, like, the the uh, the, the clothes-drying line out. And, like, it's like, you don't really know what he's doing, but you know he's up to mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And then they bring up the, like, stereotypical uh, gay stylist <laughs> to cut his hair. Mm-hmm. Who that is a very nineties move. It's like it's very nineties, very stereotypical. Because of course gay people just... are just a caricature that you'd be that someone would draw like on a boardwalk of a carnival. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's exactly that. It's <laughs> I'm not a homosexual, but I was mildly offended even so. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just so stereotypical and so over the top and flamboyant and just ridiculous. I guess putting a gay person in a movie is a baby step. <laughs> At that point, that was actually probably progressive, <laughs> which is sad, but yeah, he really was in like 96. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's actually probably a good thing. Yeah. But anyways, we've moved past that. So he's cutting his hair. He's chatting him up. He's a delightful young man. And during that, he's got the, the barber cape thing on him you know to get the hair off him and underneath he's, he's doing something with that rope that he got and he he makes sure he's he gets the hair cut on the balcony and uh it's after, all a, it's all a big all plan fresh and clean yeah because he's a schemer he's a master escape artist after uh the the man is done cutting his hair he looks all fresh and clean he uh shakes Womack's hand and ties him off with a knot and throws him off the balcony <laughs> that was awesome and then he's just like and then the reason for calling the room service in was to get all the other agents to be sitting there and they're all like free room service and they're all eating the food like a bunch of morons distracted yeah like, i don't know where it came from but this is free food <laughs> shouldn't you be watching the guy like, yeah but free food <laughs> like okay <laughs> hey try some of this lobster yeah exactly you had some of this Try that butter on it. Like they're they're just they're just munching down. So of course Stanley Goodspeed's the only man out there. And uh I don't know what the fuck he's doing. He throws Womack over the edge, he's holding him, and uh he uses that as his way to escape. He ties it to like a deck chair and uh lets go and then takes off. So good Stanley has to uh drop his gun and, and rescue Womack and uh and Mason gets away, right? Everyone everyone chases after him. Stanley's in pursuit. He's like the only one going with him. And Mason gets downstairs and steals a Hummer. And not like like a street Hummer like we're used to. Like an Arnold Schwarzenegger Hummer, like military. Yeah, like a military grade Hummer. Yes. Like two miles to the gallon <laughs> yes. gas tank, like Hummer. So Stanley in pursuit steals a yellow Ferrari F-355 Spider. <laughs> Bright yellow, just ridiculous. Uh, And I just wrote SF car chase. (laughs) Because I lived in San Francisco for a while, like about a year and a half. 
And I was like, I knew this took place in San Francisco, but I was like, did they, I couldn't remember. I hadn't seen this movie in years. Mm-hmm. Chase was absolutely filmed on the streets of San Francisco. <laughs> oh, definitely. It was, yeah, with the trolley cars and, yeah. and it was a damn good car chase. It was longer than I remembered. And it was a good car chase. He's chasing him, crashes all over. Uh, we got the one of my favorites, old lady crossing the street trope, where uh, you know the old lady's pushing her little walker. Like we had that in uh, Tangle and Cash, where the homeless man came across the street in the cart. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's an underserved. It's an underrealized trope and not talked about, but it's one of my favorite. Where the like the the innocent crosses the street in front of them and they have to swerve. Which happens, and that's how the cable car gets knocked off its tracks. Because <laughs> uh, Mason swerves to avoid the, the kindly old lady mm-hmm. across the street. And uh, <laughs> and we get this big car chase, whatever. He, they all crash. Good speed crashes. We get the hippie. Hey, man, you just fucked up your Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> it's not mine. It's not mine. Then he just laughs. <laughs> this is <his> motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. It was so great. Yeah, I did too. So he's off. He makes a call back to his like uh, FBI buddies, and they find out he has like a family. He has a daughter, right? Mm-hmm. In the in the area. So he like he's like that's where he's going, right? He tra- he tracks her down, and that is where Mason's going. He finds his daughter. She's uh she doesn't really know him. He meets her in, like, the fine arts, like, I think right outside the Presidio, I think it is. I've been mm-hmm. there. Exactly where they were. And he's, like, talking to her. Has this, like, kind of deep moment. And Stanley catches up to him first, but doesn't doesn't do anything. He waits and, like, sits and listens to mm-hmm. saying. And then all the cops show up. And uh, even though he punched Stanley in the face earlier and like let him on this dangerous car chase. He kind of, he covers for him in front of his daughter. He's like, Hey, he's helping us with this investigation. Like he's not under arrest, like you know? So she thinks better of him, which is nice. I like, yeah, that. it was good. Like Stanley kind of showed his, you know, color, true colors there. And yeah, he's actually he's a like good, a good guy. And he didn't want to make him, make him seem like a piece of shit in front of his daughter who already thought he was a piece of shit. Piece of shit yeah. So, and then they like they bracelet him up eventually after she leaves, um, and they they get back to the base and they all start discussing their entry plan of the seals getting in. Right? Why don't uh, you cut? Why don't you say we cut the chit chat a hole? <laughs> <laughs> so they're like throwing out all these blueprints, right? And he's like, I don't know what to tell you. It's all up here, and like points to his head. He's like, I I need to uh, I gotta be with you. No, it's the only way I can show you how to get in there. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. explain this. So, so he's he's like, I got, I gotta, I gotta be on the team. And that's when we were introduced to. I wrote down in all caps. Michael motherfucking Bean. Oh, the <laughs> best. Michael Bean. I love him so goddamn much. He's Greatest so action good. movie hero of all time. I put him ahead of Arnold, Stallone, anyone. He is my number one. He's in some of my favorite movies. He's in this. He's in Aliens. He's in The Abyss. He's in Tombstone. He is a master. And I love him. He, man, he had a great run. And it's a shame. And it's a shame that he's not as... uh, He's Kyle Reese! 
he's he's Kyle Reese. He's um, what's his name in Alien? Hicks? No. Yes, Hicks. Hicks. Corporal Hicks. Corporal Hicks. It's man, he had a hell of a run, and it's it is really. I know we've talked about this before, but it is a damn shame that he's not working as much as he could right. or should be right now. He's quietly the biggest action star in the eighties and nineties. Definitely. He was- Busters and played some of the most iconic characters, and he should be spoken about in the same breath as Arnold and Stallone and Van Damme and, and all of them. But he's not, and that's and he was and he was an action star that kind of like you know cut against the the cloth of, of, of that time, which was you know these big muscle bound, bulking monstrosity of, of a man. He was yeah. like without him, I never thought of this, but without him. Bruce Willis doesn't become an action star, right? No, he was the everyman He's the first action one to star. do that. Yeah, like Die definitely. Hard. Die Hard doesn't work without him. I don't exactly. think exactly. No, he, of course. First, everyone gives gives uh, uh, Bruce Willis the credit for that, which he deserves a lot of credit for Die Hard, of course. But mm-hmm. Michael Bean was really the first to do it. Yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. So they tell Stanley that he's got the seals too. Because he's again, he's the best. He knows how to deal with this stuff. So he's not ready. He doesn't want to go, but he's got to go. He's in. He's on the team. Then Michael Bean gives a pump up speech, which is awesome. He gives like a football, like before the Rose Bowl kind of speech to his men to get them all psyched up, ready to go. And I loved every second of it. And they all in, in, embark to thunderously patriotic music. <laughs> and they they approach underwater on these like these submersible sea dews which is great <laughs> <laughs> and nick cage is just like so nerdy and awkward and it's like they're like you know good to go and he has like the snorkel in his mouth he's like good to go he toggles back and forth being like incompetent and nerdy to like being the most capable human being on the planet. You know? Yeah. So funny. I really, I, which again, shouldn't work, but for some reason does. So they approach underwater and enter, enter Alcatraz underwater through this, uh, secret, like hole in the ground, I guess. It looks like a mm-hmm. well that yeah. pop up mm-hmm. in, in the bowels of, uh, the rock. And uh, they, there's this door they're supposed to go through. It's locked. They can't get through. And uh, Mason Connery's character, he's just sitting there watching this little, like, fiery thing. And they're like, how did you do this? And he's like, well, I timed this whole thing out. And he's looking at this, like, it's like, uh, it's some guillotine fire pit. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's you know, it, it raises not, the question. Like, what is that doing for the facility? Like, what is that? What is that? And also, why are like, the boilers that active? Some sort of engine or like reactor? Like, what is that? That's nothing. Yeah. Why nothing. are the boilers active? Why is that a thing? It doesn't. Yeah. It, this thing spins around that'll cut you in half. Like you're in like Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. Like, and then yeah. there's just fire blowing in every few seconds. Whatever. Also, yeah. Also, though, if the boilers, why are the boilers working if our Alcatraz <laughs> isn't functional? It's just it makes zero sense, but zero I love sense because oh, that's of course. I hope they didn't change the timing. <laughs> yeah. So he rolls through it. He just like he's on fire, like a stop, drop, and roll. He rolls through it because he knows the timing. That's how he escaped. Rolls, runs around, unlocks the door for everybody. 
It's just great. He lets the seals in. They make their way. They're going through the bowels, you know, they're in like a sewer type area. And they make their way to uh, the shower room. Oh, the shower room. I didn't, I never put this together, but the shower room is what they, I don't know if you've ever played uh, Call of Duty Warzone. Is that like, mm, I don't think so. It's like that. It's a multiplayer free free game online, a Call of Duty game, kind of like their response to Fortnite, where it's like oh, a gotcha. player game, where like last man kind of standing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you die in that game, you go to the gulag and you fight another guy in the shower room. That map is the shower room from this movie. Oh, I remember I played it much because I'm really bad at it, and you have teammates and like they just uh-huh. yell. Like, you're so terrible. What are you doing? And I just felt bad. <laughs> so I stopped playing. <laughs> and there's no <laughs> like strangers down. Uh, but because I got killed a lot, I would go into this this map where then to get brought back to life, the winner like comes back faster or something. I don't I still don't really understand the rules. But it is the shower room from this movie. <laughs> so they're underneath this, right? But and they're trying to like disable the the sensors and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of fuck it up. They don't realize they fuck it up. And the Hummels men figure it out. And they come down to the shower room and they're all in like high ground positions. It's like they have the high ground and it's like the the end of Revenge of the Sith where Obi-Wan yells at Zanakin. <laughs> I have the high ground. <laughs> okay. So what? Yeah, all right. But in both cases, it's it's a factor. So they're up there. They all all the seals rush in with Michael Bean leading them. And oh my god, this scene's so amazing. This is like it's heartbreaking what? and like really it's intense like, and emotional and like because Hummel doesn't want to kill these guys. These are the people he's fighting for. These are his mm-hmm. brothers. Yeah. He's, and and Michael Bean understands what he's doing. Like, he does have sympathy for him. Like, they talk it out, and he's like, I get it, man. You're right, but this isn't the way to do it. Right. He's as far gone as, as Ed Harris is. Mm-hmm. And like, I got a job to do, and and Hummel's like, I got a job to do, too. And they're just like, neither of them want to kill one another, but they're just rocking a hard place kind of thing. It's like, you get, you give that order. I cannot give that order. Yeah, and they're just I like cannot yelling. stand down. Like, stand down. I cannot stand. And they're just screaming. And uh, yeah, before that, I had, I wrote, Seals enter. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. We get our, our Return of the Jedi favorite fish character, Admiral Akbar. <laughs> yeah, and Hummel and, and Bean are just going back and forth. We spilled the same blood in the same mud. <laughs> Which is a great line. I love yeah, it. It's great. Oh, it's great. I, then I wrote in all caps, Michael Bean is so goddamn good. <laughs> we were we were sworn to protect uh, the United States against enemies foreign and domestic. Like, great. It's so good. So good. There's so much feeling and like, all Michael Bay wants to do is elicit emotion from you. Like, he's heavy handed about it in his music, in his cuts, in the way he shoots scenes. Like, the angles and, like, everything in the slow motion he implores. But this didn't require any of that. It's just the dialogue between these two seasoned actors that are just making you feel more than you absolutely should in a shower of Alcatraz. 
you know, with a couple military people back and forth. You shouldn't feel as much as they make you feel, and they really just fucking kill it. Yeah, it's so good. He's he real. It's it's an intense scene. It's very well written. It's well done. And then our good Boondock Saint. There was a firefight. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought too. There was a firefight. I love that. It's, it's like just, a massacre. It's yeah. like a massacre. I didn't attempt to like write down anything. I just wrote incredible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I and, love, like Michael Bean's last effort. He pulls his sidearm. He's just like on the ground, full of holes, just bang, bang, bang. Ah! <laughs> That's so good. It's so it's fucking so, good. Mm-hmm. It's just like the pinnacle of action movies. This moment. This is not my favorite action movie, but goddamn, this scene is—it's up there. I'm hard pressed to think of a better scene. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's up there. It's just perfect. And people are just dying left and right. And, and they don't gunfire. start shooting because it, they start shooting basically because of an accident. One of the guys knocks over like some bricks, bricks. Yeah, and it stops of them. And then once someone starts shooting, they all start shooting. Yeah, because the scene is there, there's already tensions. Yeah, like, none of these people actually want to kill one another. But then they, they, they just think they have to. Ugh. Ed Harris, too, and he's yelling, ceasefire, ceasefire! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Neither of them do, and that's, that's the great, that's the genius behind it, is Bean and Harris don't want this to happen. But it, that, it obviously happens. All the mm. seals are dead. Only Stanley and Mason are left. We have that great scene where the, the one seal was was down with them, and they're like, don't go up. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. And he pops up and just gets obliterated. because Just gets shot right in the head, falls down. And I like just... that scene because it's just mm-hmm. like, that was like a real, that's exactly how you'd respond. Like, bro, please don't do this. Please, you're going to mm-hmm. die. Like, yeah. stay with us, fight another day. And he's just like, my guys are up there. I, I can't not do this. Yeah. His yeah. sense of duty implores him. And so after that, he gets killed. Everyone's dead. Uh, Hummel's pissed. I love when he grabs, like, the, the camera from one of the dead seals. And he's just like, you forced my hand on this. Damn, damn you for, for forcing yeah, me into this position. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then Stanley and Mason are the only ones left. Mason wants to fuck off. He's like, I'm out of here. This is not for me. Not what I what i uh had in mind like we're fucked let's get out of here and then uh they're still in communication with like all the feds and everybody at the pentagon and uh womack that douchebag explains who mason really is i mean he's basically james bond he's 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 basically james bond yeah i mean there's a big fan theory of that he is james bond and like like from the james bond uh sean connery bond era that he was just captured by them. It doesn't really fit in their different studios, so they can't actually do it. But that is what they were going for. Yeah, Definitely. for sure. Mm-hmm. So Stanley tries to convince uh, Mason to stay. That's when Stanley pulls a gun on him. He goes, mm. all right, you want to play tough? You want to play tough with me? Okay, FBI, free sucker. <laughs> Throw down. <laughs> and then it's like, um... He radios back. He's like, yeah, now Mason has all the guns. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when eventually he does. Stanley does convince Mason to help him uh, after a bomb goes off because they've been found out. 
that he he decides to help them. They're uh, they make their way to the morgue because they they know that I they somehow know there's that's one of the rockets, so they have to go there. And that's when the scene happens. No, this is one of my favorite lines slash interactions in the whole movie. Um, you ready? Let's do this. Are you sure you're ready for this? I'll do my best. Your best? Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Carla was the prom queen. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lawton, for that great idea. Which yes. is going to be a recurring bit on the show because of Lawton and yep. Point Break last week. Every so, every yes. week we'll be doing a dramatic reenactment of our favorite scene. Because we are seasoned actors and wildly talented. <laughs> well, one of us is. <laughs> <laughs> you are too. Of course, I'm great. <laughs> so... After that amazing line, it's just, it's just supremely quotable. Just probably the best known line out mm-hmm. of this entire movie. Oh, for sure. They make their way to the morgue. Mason immediately knifes a guy in the throat, just throws it right at him. I love the like the the shot of it. Like it, it reminds me a little of like a Sam Raimi shot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like soaring it's like, through the they, air. They show the guy's face, like almost in slow, like just like waiting for it to happen. Mm-hmm. It might be a lot of a Raimi shot, uh, but yeah, just nice that guy in the throat, and then eventually drops an air conditioning on another dude. <laughs> just like, and then the foot thing. Like, that's the most. That's the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that's the worst. Oh, that's about the most awful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, for now <laughs> they they take care of the guys guarding that rocket stanley disarms it he takes out the uh the uh the guidance chip for the rocket so mm-hmm. so that's their plan is to to do that to every rocket um some so after they do that some soldiers come after them uh they escape on some sort of like indiana jones in the temple of doom like cart I know. I thought about that. Yeah, I said. Like, what so was that? Why does that Sean Connery Were they the mining ore down there? Like, why yeah. are these parts and these tracks exist? Whatever. Don't care. They have this chase in these, in these carts. And, and they crash. And they're hanging off of this cart. Both of them, Stanley and Mason. And that's when uh, John C. McGinley shows up in all his glory. And they, like, turn him into Jonah Ark. They just light his ass on. Oh my god, they, yeah, he cause he just goes up in a blaze. Bye, McGinley. That's all I wrote. <laughs> Bye, McGinley. So then they kill a couple more. This is when I finally started calling them bad guys in my notes. They kill a couple more bad guys, and uh, at the end, Stanley saves Mason from the last one. He finally mm-hmm. shoots a guy, and he's like, "Oh, at least you barely hesitated." <laughs> <Or something. laughs> Before he had told him, never hesitate. Mm-hmm. When he knifed that guy. The, that's what I love about... I we I glossed over that, but... After he knifes the guy, there's another dude there, like, with a machine gun. He's just like, never hesitate. <laughs> it's like, bro, guy! <laughs> there's another dude with a like, gun. Clear the room before you impart your knowledge, bro. <laughs> but he saves him. Like, Stanley's a bit shook up because, I mean, he's murdered a man. That's yeah. understandable. He's a desk jockey. He's not. He's not about that. 
that murder life. Nope. Um, Ben Hummel, he's he's pretty pissed off. He brings a uh, one of the hostages out. He's gonna like execute the guy. He's got like a whole scene going on. You know, he's putting on a whole productive production. He's mm-hmm. like, give us back the guy's chips or for the rockets, or you know, this guy eats it. And uh, so they devise a plan. Mason goes to buy time while uh, Stanley goes to get the other rockets. Mm-hmm. And Mason just gives himself up to to uh, Hummel. Mm-hmm. And they have great interaction. I mean, I didn't write down a lot of their lines, but uh, man, I really enjoyed the, their back and forth. There is a great, I, I did write down one. in each other out, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, both I know you're part of something. And... He's like, oh, I'm, I'm, he's like, uh, I'm, I'm not a fly boy or a, or a Navy yeah. boy. He's, uh, actually, Army, actually. Street Secret Service. You know, SAS. Yeah. My uh, my favorite little line from this interaction is Connery goes because like Ed Harris talks about how it's like um, like combat and mm-hmm. Connery goes this isn't combat it's an it's act of lunacy lunacy personally <laughs> and personally I think you're a fucking idiot yeah <laughs> I love it but I love that because you get that they have like they're enemies but you see like a respect between the two. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which again, a worse movie with worse talent in the acting position wouldn't have been able to portray that. But exactly. this does. Yep. Like, exactly. There's just so much more going on here than than just a normal like cookie cutter uh popcorn action movie. There's yeah. just these extra layers are just so good. And again, I you know I always love a movie that's better than it than it has any business being and this is one of them there's just yeah the dialogue is great and i, I have a reason why in my trivia why we why yeah. i think the dialogue is so great yeah. in this movie i'm glad i can't wait so while this happens he's chatting up hummel uh stanley gets one of the chips out of another another rocket which is just not defended at all which <laughs> is weird not at all <laughs> Funny like not even a little bit he gets it out and then is once he gets it out he's immediately captured a guy like spider-man's down under on it like upside down <laughs> that <laughs> like, was very a, bizarre yeah it was just like hey buddy <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like kiss kiss <laughs> <laughs> they didn't <coughs> they didn't kiss <laughs> <laughs> I'll take pleasure in gutting you. <laughs> yeah, and then and then they cut to him in the prison yes! cell. He just and he just keeps it over and over. It's like what kind of psychopath? It's like I'll take pleasure in gutting. No, I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. He repeats it like four times, and it's fantastic. My favorite, my favorite little line from this scene though is as Sean Connery is doing his little thing to open up the prison cell door. Oh, while they're having dialogue. And Cage Cage is like, how in the name of Zeus's butthole (laughs) did you you get out of your cell? I love, that's pure Nick Cage. But how? Oh, 100%. Zeus's butthole! Emphasis on one part is just. But like, case. why Zeus's butthole? I don't why know. Why does it have to be a butthole? Nothing. <laughs> awesome. Oh 
god, that was so great. And then trade uh, trade secrets, my son. <laughs> yeah, he, he gets out. He ties like bed sheets together and like hooks the thing. He does a his whole thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. It was pretty pretty rad. Yeah, awesome. I, I mean it's great. Loved it. It's hard to explain, and you just kind of have to see it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't go through like I know it's an action movie show, but like I don't touch on a lot of the action scenes because mm-hmm. it's like see it not say it kind of thing exactly it's, I, it, like we could describe it yeah exactly. i can give like cool scenes but like i can't i'm not gonna try to do this cinematic a cinematic like achievement and verbally like it's it's not how it's meant to be observed like you can hear it here if you've seen the movie great if you haven't go watch it kind of thing so the deadline's approaching and that's when we get our first like we've we've we got hints of it but that's when we get our first like real uh view of hummel being reluctant to fire um his weapon you know and you get some you you see there's a faction of his men that are like the complete opposite they're they're the stereotypical like out for blood bad guys Mm -hmm. you know like just evil like they they have a goal like they want their money but also they just Kind of like to steal something from the Dark Knight. They just want to see the world burn. Kind of bad guys, you know. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Because their motivations be aren't always do. clear. It's like, yeah, they want money, but even when the money's off the table, it's like we still just want to like kill everybody. Because yeah. yeah. So they're like the they're the two dimensional bad guys. And we see it kind of dividing into factions where the people with Hummel and him, and uh, so the government's stalling, and that's when. Hummel finally he announces that he gives the order to launch one of the rockets. He's, you can tell he's pained by it. He doesn't want to do it. But he's like, I've been given no choice. He launches the rocket. He ro- launches it at a, uh, a football game. At the 49ers game. Down in the stadium they no longer play in. Mm-hmm. And uh, during this, Mason wants to bail again. Uh, and he does. He's just like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm out. And Stanley's pissed, but he stays to fight alone. He goes to try to like do his thing and he's just immediately captured. <laughs> just immediately. <laughs> and while he's like trying to talk the guy down, he's like, "You got strong winds. It'll blow right over here." He's like, "What does he say?" Uh, plastic. It's like, what? It's like, you want to go home in a glass jar or a plastic bag because the wind shift, that's what's going to happen, which is actually a really great line. Like, that would terrify me. I'd be like, oh, I never considered that. Maybe you're right. <laughs> so he's like, so what's it going to be? Like, let's go. He's like, thinks he has him with him. And the guy's just like, uh, no, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> he does not. He does not go with his pump up speech. But Mason shows up, breaks the guy's neck, saves his life. Mm hmm. He's like, I was a young man when I swam that channel before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Connery's so bad, but I love doing it. It's getting up there with, like, I love doing the Bane. I'm bad at Bane, but I, I can't stop myself from doing it. I'm, yeah, I'm, brother. I'm falling into a hole where I, that Connery might be next. Um, so he <laughs> saves him. <laughs> and uh, before the – then this, this whole time, the rocket's going in. They're all – everyone's freaking out. The government's freaking out. Where's it going? How's the it going? Where's the trajectory? Blah, blah, blah. You realize – it's headed for the fully packed football stadium. So apparently this is a Sunday. And before impact, Hummel logs in and changes the course and makes the rocket fly out to sea. 
changes his mind super last second. I don't, I, I don't even think he changed his mind. I think he was... He knew the whole time. I think he had that plan the whole time. Because I don't mm-hmm. think he ever wanted to hurt anybody. He didn't really want to kill anybody. He was devastated over having to kill the SEAL team. Uh, he didn't want it to happen. It happened. He wasn't really going to kill that that hostage. Like uh, Connery says, he's like, I saw it in his eyes. He's, he won't He won't do this. And he won't. He was right. Like, he's not an evil person. He just... He just made drastic choices to get what he he thought was fair. So he 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 deflects this this the rocket and it goes out to sea. It doesn't harm anybody. Blows up. No one. I mean, probably killed a bunch of fish, but whatever. And God, I love Major Baxter. Mm-hmm. By uh, what's his David name? David Morse. David Morse. He's so good. I love him. I love him. He's one of my favorite like character actors. Yes. You know, Green Green Mile. That kind of between him and and Ed Harris is just so good because there's just this just it's this understood respect and allegiance, and they they might be differing on certain views, but like they have like a love for one another that just shines through because they're mm-hmm. both trans- actors. Yeah, yeah, of course. This, like, they get into reverie. this argument after because the the like they go and talk by themselves. And uh, uh, Baxter's like, we'll ex- we have to extend the deadline. We have to do this. And Hummel knows, like, this game's mm-hmm. over. Like, we played our cards and we lost. Like, yeah, he's we accept- bluffed. They called it mission exactly. over. And he's accepted that, but Baxter isn't there yet. He's like, no, we got to call him back. We got to call him back. And he's, I love that scene where it's like, this, you're, this is a man giving you, like, uh, this is your friend telling you this. And this is a man giving you, or a superior giving you direct order. This is a man pointing a gun at your face. Like, yeah. <laughs> So good. Mm-hmm. And he finally acquiesces and puts the phone down. Because Hummel's right. You can't just call back and be like, oh, we want a different deadline. Because then they, they know you're not you're not serious. Like, the, yeah. the jig is – the game is mm-hmm. over. Like, again, like you said, you played your hand. You call, you played your bluff, and you got called. And you, it's over. He knows it. And Baxter just took a little while longer to get there. But yep. the rest of his men, they're not there. They're playing a different game. They're not playing poker. They're playing something else. After that, the, we get to the president. And he decides to launch the plan B, which is the airstrike to like drop the thermite bombs that are supposedly supposed to burn hot enough to uh, eviscerate all of the chemical agents in the mm-hmm. VX. Mm-hmm. Uh, even yep. though there's hostages, they feel like these people are unhinged. We don't know what they're going to do next. So he gives the order. There's this long like speech. Very great monologue. Yeah, it really was for like basically an unnamed, unshown character. He gives the president, whoever played him, gives this and he gives this big address and then and then Hummel addresses his men, tells him it's not over, and there's a mutiny. And we get that division that we saw earlier of the mm-hmm. the stereotypical bad guys and Hummel. And it seems like Hummel's on his own. Bokeem kind of like for a minute, he doesn't seem to know what he should do. Seems like Bokeem knows the right thing to do, but he just kind of gets swept up in it all. Yeah, yeah. He, you could tell he's like, he's, he's, he's like, like wait, no. Yeah, he's kind of like, he gives, he says something like, well, we kind of, <laughs> he gives something like that. But then he eventually does pull the gun on, on Hummel. And, uh, and, uh, at this point, Mason and uh, Stanley have made their cell, made their way outside the room, but they're just kind of like, see what happens. 
<laughs> watching mm-hmm. all this happen. And uh, and then Baxter, you think, turns on Hummel because he pulls his gun and he's like, "No, oh, this isn't this isn't what we we're supposed to do." Blah blah blah. And then at the last second, he has it pointed at Hummel's head. He turns it and shoots one of the other guys. And then there's this little like Mexican standoff where everyone gets shot. Baxter gets it. Hummel gets shot. A couple Tear of the, down. A couple of the bad guys get shot. And uh, that's when uh, Mason and, and uh, Stanley break in, start firing. They pull Hummel out, and he gives them a little information. They realize you know, they understand what they kind of already knew, that he wasn't really a bad guy. But he sort of, like, tells them where – I think he tells them where, like, the last rocket yeah, was or something. Yeah, he, 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 like – they pull him in, and he goes, "My God, what have I done?" Yeah, he You're like, "Oh my God!" Really yeah, come great. to terms with what he's done, and then, and then, of course, first thing, Cage, right to the point, "Where's the rocket? Where's the yeah. rocket? Lighthouse, South Lighthouse." And right. they're just like, "Okay, cool." And then Bye. he just dies. sorry, yeah. <laughs> and there's a couple guys left. There's not a bunch of guys. I thought there was only like two guys, but like, and I wrote that down. I had to keep going back and crossing it out because other guys show up that weren't in that room. <laughs> So I wrote that there. I'm like, there's two guys left. And then I kept going. Uh, and then later on in the movie, I was like, oh, wait, there's another guy. So there's three guys left. And then I crossed that out. And like, there's four guys. And I went back and I go, a couple bad guys left. Because I don't know how many more are going to keep showing up. Because they weren't all in the back room. There was others in the other part of the of the. Yeah, facility. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, <laughs> it made me laugh. Um, so Stanley goes after the last rocket. Mm-hmm. And. While defusing it, he gets stopped by uh, the cr- the craziest bad guy, right? Tony Todd, aka the Candyman. So he is the Candyman. Bees coming out his mouth. Yeah, hook <laughs> and bees mouth. Candyman, baby. Wow. Mm-hmm. I knew I recognized him. I didn't know why. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So that's when Rocket Man comes back. <laughs> it's you. You're the Rocket Man. Yeah, and he's just like, "Fuck, are you talking about, you psycho?" And uh, he had already taken the Benoit balls of of uh, poison out of it, so he fires that rocket right into this guy, <laughs> shoots him off into the. But there's no poison, there's no gas in it, there's no chemical agent in it. Fires it right off into him, shoots him out. Made me think of like uh, uh, True Lies. At the oh end. yeah, you fired. Yeah, I, I bet that's. I mean, that movie was a parody of action movies. Mm. I bet that's. I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they got it from. I don't actually know the timeline of those movies, but I think it was afterwards. Anyways, mm-hmm. so he kills that guy, and he's, like, trying to take the chip out because they do have other rockets. So just because he took the poison out of that one doesn't mean they can't, like, find the – they left all the, the, the gas in the other ones. They just took the chip out. Um, so he has to destroy this last chip. And uh, he, he's trying to get it out. He's carrying around these these balls of poison. They're all shooting at him. There's a couple guys. This is when I learned there's multiple people left, not just the other back. And uh, Mason takes one out, like drops him over uh, off a balcony. And Stanley's still being chased by one of the other ones, like the main crazy guy. Uh, he hides most of the, the gas in like a, a hole, but he one of the gas balls fell off. So he has that in his pocket. And uh, Mason then gets in a fight with this Irish bad guy. And that was another one. I was like, where'd this fucking guy come from? Yeah, yeah. Did I tell you my old man was Irish? Irish? Or my daddy was Irish. It's like, okay. (laughs) I guess you're a PLO dude, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
Fair enough, I guess. He did some bad stuff. But, uh, you know, he was in jail for most of that. Anyways, he uh, takes him out eventually. Uh, Stanley's still running. He gets in a fight with this guy, and they, they punch a bit. And during all this, the airstrike's getting closer. So they're on a clock here. For some reason, they don't have any more communications back to, to their base. Mm-hmm. So this airstrike is coming in. And uh, Stanley's getting strangled by this crazy dude. And he takes one of those Benoit balls and shoves it right in this guy's mouth. <laughs> Eat that, you fuck! Yeah. And just then he gets the uh, boils and everything, and he he dies horribly. And uh, Stanley jabs himself in the heart with the uh, the needle, which is like the the cure of it or whatever mm-hmm. that they they touched on at the beginning. That guy's like, "You wanted me to shove this in my fucking heart? <laughs> Are you fucking nuts?" I love that guy. I oh, love when he calls him to look for like the the uh, address of the guy of Mason's daughter. And he's just like, Hey man, I'm getting a job with uh, this private company. I'm going to make roach traps. <laughs> Sounds pretty cool. Huh? <laughs> I, love I, that. Always, I always remember him from high fidelity. He's great. In high oh, fidelity. I didn't, I couldn't figure out what I knew him from. That must've mm. been it. So he jabs himself. Stanley jabs himself with the antidote. Airstrike's still coming. He get he eventually like powers through. We get some like voices. It reminded me of like Rise of Skywalker, where he, all the Jedi are like talking in Ray's ear. It's like, yeah, because he gets all these voices from before and like gets them up and ready to go. <laughs> and he, because the the thing is, if he pops the smoke, then they'll like call everything off. It means everything's mm-hmm. succeeded. Oh man, it's like an iconic scene. It's, I mean, it's platoon, right? Yeah, the green flares. Yeah, it's Elias in platoon. With the, the like, uh, where he's holding like the Jesus pose on his knees after he's dead, and but mm-hmm. he has the smoke in his hand, and they see it at the last second, and they all pull off except one. It's like, oh, I already, I already released the bomb. I actually, I know it's a really small line and scene, but the way that pilot says it, so good. Yeah, yeah. He, like anguish in his voice. He's like, oh no, I did this. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like, I don't know who that was. It was like a no one, anybody. Like, you can't tell his face. He was all Tom Hardy with a, his face covered with a mask. And mm-hmm. you don't know. But yeah, I, th- I that stuck out as me. I was like, oh, wow, that like made me feel like amazing. very well done. Great read. Yeah, he nailed it. He had one line. And he fucking killed it. Uh, so, yeah, the one bomb goes off. It blows Stanley into the ocean. Yes, of course it does. <laughs> and, uh, then Mason dives in, saves him. And while this is happening, we got some very, like, Titanic-esque music. <laughs> Did you notice that? It's like... Oh, yeah! Like, the water save. The water save was very, like... like, like but Titanic like... came out the year after this. So who copied who? Who copied who? James know. Cameron, you fraud. <laughs> <laughs> So he gets saved, and then, uh, you know, the cavalry comes in, and uh, Stanley kind of tells Mason to, like, get out of here kind of thing, you know? And uh, when his boss is coming, he's like, uh, yeah, Mason's dead. He was uh, he was vaporized. <laughs> vaporized? Oh. A, a body can do that? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And his one boss, the, the cool boss, he's like, Okay. <laughs> Like, he knows what's up. He knows what he's doing. Poor and then Womack, the douchebag, he's like, a body can be vaporized? Like, oh, absolutely. 
<laughs> so good. But before Mason escapes, he tells Stanley where he hid the microfilm, which is what he was in prison for to begin with. Mm-hmm. Had all secrets, all these things. Like, you don't know what's on it. It's like the only thing that kept him alive this whole mm-hmm. time. So they that that's over. They they save the day. And the next final scene is uh the he hid it in some like church in like in a church pew. Like yeah. in a leg on a church pew in Kansas. Yeah. And so the next scene is Stanley like ransacking this church, finding it and running out while the preacher runs after him, like like vandals, vandals. I <laughs> <laughs> saw the crap this preacher yelling, fire and brimstone. And he jumps into the car with Carla with the uh just married on the back, so we know they got married. Which is all she cared about. So I guess her arc is complete. Um and then he's looking through the microfilm, and the last line of the movie is Honey, you want to know who really killed JFK? <laughs> Cred- music and credits. <laughs> so good. Rock. Oh, love it. Even though the whole JFK thing screws up the theory of him being, uh, of Mason being Bond, because that, that doesn't work with mm-hmm. the timeline. Yeah. Whatever. Don't care. Yeah. That's rock. That's the rock. Oh, oh, so good. I love it. I do have some trivia. I have some good little nuggets here. Um, IMDb's trivia is is funny for like this movie is a lot of technical stuff. So I had to like go through that. But there are some great nuggets in here. Um, Sean Connery insisted the producers build him a cabin on Alcatraz so he wouldn't have to commute back and forth. He's like, I need a shack <laughs> it's like he didn't want to go on uh like how long is the boat ride even from like uh, alcatraz to san francisco like i don't 30 minutes not, i mean it's not far minutes. i actually never took the tour when i was there it was one of those things that like i saved for when people came to visit mm-hmm. we always found stuff to do when people came to visit and then i left yeah left right earlier than i anticipated so i never actually did it because you had to like you had to reserve uh, tickets to it like a long time in advance, like longer than yeah. you think. Mm-hmm. Just never did it, but yeah, it's not that far out. I took a boat out there, and we're near it. Yeah, it'd probably be a twenty-minute at least boat ride. Um, as we thought, much of Nick Cage's dialogue and little quips were ad-libbed, including the oh. Zeus's butthole line. Oh, of you can't write that. You can't. No. No, that's not, not. Professional writer puts down and is like, "Here we mm-hmm. go." <laughs> yeah, that comes out of the depths of that man's psychosis. Oh, definitely. Just like, okay, I'm gonna do this. Butthole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Tarantino and Aaron Sorkin did uncredited punch-ups on the script. I absolutely believe that. Yeah, that's definitely. Why it was so strong. It was a good script. Yeah, especially the dialogue. The dialogue yeah. was great. It really was. It was and so you good. With, like, I've said this a lot. Like, I wish Michael Bay would just be a cinematographer and let someone else, like, deal with dialogue and actually constructing a plot. Because mm-hmm. he said what you will about him, but he, he makes action incredible. Like, he does. He really so does. Believable action scenes. His scripts and plots are usually nonsensical. 
very often. But man, that guy knows how to how to make a visually appealing scene. He really does. He's great yeah. at directing action. Being a, a cinematographer and letting someone like a Sorkin or a Tarantino or someone skilled write the script and like someone else who just like pilots the ship or captains the ship like get it all in the same place. You could you'd be looking at like the greatest action movie of all time. Exactly. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, let me see here. This is Sean Connery's favorite film of his own in the nineties. Mm. It wasn't um, LSG. Huh. It wasn't what? Alex G. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, God. His final film. <laughs> you know, he did that instead of uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, my God. I bet he he Stan himself. He was just yeah. No, he's just like, I don't get it. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Cool. Turned down a number of movies like that that became like. He, uh, he also turned down um, The Architect in. Uh... Okay, actually, he turned down multiple roles in The Matrix. They first came to him for Morpheus, and he's like, I don't get it. And then they Whoa. came to the Colonel Sanders architect. Yeah. And he is also like, I still don't get it. Oh, <laughs> my God. Like, yeah. That's a fun look at me with trivia. I know that. There I don't you go. I love it. World, but... <laughs> Coming for my job, bro. <laughs> You're um... on notice. Hot seat, JP. <laughs> Um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger was offered the role of Mason and turned it down. This was in its wow. like very early infancy. The script was only like 80 pages in. It was, yeah, very early on. And obviously he, um, doggy time. Doggy's yelling. Um, yeah, he definitely so, regrets like, turning Arnold, it down. Clearly. What the fuck? Why don't I get Arnold here? She's a big Schwarzenegger fan. Um, I was upset by this news. <laughs> when um, Connery requests uh, a room at the Fairmont Hotel, the Fairmont Hotel in San Francisco is a real place, and it's oh, yeah. on Mason Street. Yeah. Like John Mason, Mason Street. Yeah. Um, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the average shot length in this movie, 2.6 seconds. So that's like super quick cuts, of course. Yeah, makes that's... Sense. Michael Bay does. It's up. It's camera low, up, quick mm -hmm. cuts. Yep, that's, exactly. That's his uh, mo. Um, this movie is actually part of the Criterion Collection, which includes such movies as The Four Hundred Blows, um, Old Boy, and The Rock. <laughs> I love it though. It's great. It should be. This movie fucking yeah. rules. Like, that's it's the great. thing. Like, there's 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. Fuck you, critics. This movie's incredible for what it is. Uh, oh, it's great. If you have to this is not Citizen Kane. They are not trying to do anything they're not. Right. And they do what they're trying to do in a way that is exponentially better than it should be. Mm-hmm. Like, this yeah. is a silly action movie that has so much more to it. It's got a lot of depth. It's like we've yes. talked about in a lot of these movies. They've got like way more depth than people. Swore the notes on this because I it's so 12. dense. Yeah. yeah. There's just um, so much going on. Oh, totally. Um, Nick Cage actually made, um, he made a conscious point to not swear throughout the entire movie until the very end when he kills the two last oh. bad guys. So um, it has more like weight to it. Yeah, exactly. I like that. 
I actually really like that. Yeah. And then my favorite last, <laughs> my favorite last little bit of trivia: the body count. Oh, late on us. You got any guesses? Um, I don't think it was that high. If it's above twenty, I think I'll be surprised. Uh, twenty-five. Oh, all right. Yeah, twenty-five. I say kills all. Well, some of those are hard to tell if they actually killed them. True. True. Like when he, when Connery pops that guy off the balcony, like he might have died. I don't know. Yeah, I guess if we're considering it, you know, um, yeah, twenty five, baby, and that's nice. that's it for my trivia. I like it. Well done, as always. Thank you, sir. Man, and guess what? Next week, uh, we will be doing the Punisher from nineteen ninety four, right? Ninety four, two thousand four, two thousand four. That was close. Ten years old. <laughs> Starring Thomas Jane. From Hung Fame. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Or The Expanse, or Boogie Nights, or the, what's the Stephen King movie with the fog? Oh, uh, The Mist. Mist. Holy shit, that movie's fucked up. Great movie. Especially I Black and White. It. The end of that is messed up and awesome. It's the most fucked up ending really in a movie, is. I think, ever. That's, uh, what's his name? He did, he started Frank, The Walking Dead. Darabont, yes. Da- Frank Darabont. The guy who did the first season of The, of the Walking Dead, who mm. they should have kept on, because it sucked after that, and I will go to my mm-hmm. grave. Fuck that yeah. show. Yeah. But yes, and John goddamn Travolta. Mm-hmm. Yes. Rebecca Romaine Stamos at the time. Yeah, and Kevin Nat, Kevin Big Sexy yeah, Nat. who's dressed like a Popeye villain. <laughs> the Russian, he's the Russian in it. <laughs> With those stripes and I the know. blonde hair. So good. Oh, crazy. This is going to be fun. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, awesome. That was, yeah, that was the the rock. We're looking forward to the Punisher next week. Um, oh, yeah. It is on... with uh, where you can find us. Oh, for sure. Um, find us on Instagram at Action Movie Book Club. And on Twitter at Action Movie, like we, like we say before, if you've got any ideas, any questions, um, or just say talk, hi, or just say hello, um, please hit us up there. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of about it. Anything you want to add in? Well, for Hans and JP, why don't you take us out? Happy trails, Hans.